This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. To our new series called Journey to Greatness. So in this series, we are going to be exploring um, basically the Sefer called Chayvah Talmidim, which is a fascinating, fascinating Sefer written by Rav Kleinimus Kalmish Sapira, who also authored other Svarim as well, which we'll get into. Um, I was thinking that originally maybe tonight we would spend time on like a biography and sort of laying out like who he was and what he, you know, what the Sefer was intending to accomplish. And then I decided that we're not going to do that. So tonight we're going to jump right into it. And I think that there's no better introduction than actually like introducing the concepts. Um, so we could, for, we could sort of like understand exactly like which direction like we're sort of going to be going over here. Um, this Sefer is the first Sefer. There's another Sefer called um, Hashchas Hash something and then there's another sefer called Eish Kodesh, which was written in the Warsaw Ghetto, which which somehow miraculously made it out of the ghetto 30 years later. There's a lot of story here behind the story, which we're not going to talk about now. Now I want to just jump straight into understanding um, what what it is that the sefer is trying to accomplish. So the author of the sefer was Nifter. He was killed in the Warsaw Ghetto. And by the time he died, he sort of said about himself that I'm not even on this planet anymore. Like he had gone through so much, he had lived through so much, he had gone through so much suffering that he, he basically said, I've cleansed my neshama, I've done all the work that I needed to do, I've got myself to a certain point. And by the time he died, al Kiddush Hashem, he was like already like in another planet. Now, it's very interesting that I chose the Sefer a few months ago because I was referencing something in this in our previous series, and I actually just realized, as I was scanning through it tonight, that his yard site is actually in two days from now. So it's a good time to start, I believe, um, on this sort of journey of understanding how to sort of maximize our lives um, through this lens. So let's begin with a basic question, okay? We've all been through the yeshiva system, the basiakal system, to some degree, and I guess the question that I think every person needs to ask himself is, what does it mean to be a Jew? And number two is, how do I maximize my potential within me so that when I get to the end of this race, whatever that looks like, I can say to myself that I'm going to look back without any regrets. He was able to make it to the point where he said, I'm not in this world anymore. I'm already in like another planet. How do we get to that point? How do we tap into something that we all have within ourselves? We all know we say in the morning that that our Taira is a Mayrasha, it's an inheritance. So we have this like safety deposit box and something is in this that's extremely valuable. And yet many people live their lives and they come out at the end and you say to them, so how did you do it? I'm sure a lot of people here, they look at people who are sometimes 50, 60, 70 years old and you go, Really? Like, I hope I'm not looking like that in 20, 30, 40 years from now. And yet, many people live their lives, and you just feel like there's, there could maybe be more. We could unlock a little bit more from within ourselves. So that's the question. What does it mean to be a Jew? And how do we maximize whatever we have inside of ourselves? So he starts off the Sefer by talking about the concept of Chinuch. And I would argue that the Sefer, I mean, it's called Chavis HaTalmidim, which is basically a teacher or a parent's obligation. First of all, every Rebbe and every teacher needs to read the Sefer. You, know, you need to read it, you need to learn it, you need to go into a field and do a spite of this and sit on the grass and, and literally go through the Sefer. There's no question in the world. 
because it's just so much information. But besides for that, if we, if we think about this in terms of a teacher to a student or a parent to a child, so at what point does that begin? Meaning, why can't we just stop and say to ourselves, okay, let me take all of these concepts, all these ideas, and internalize them for myself, okay? So we're going to try to adapt this as much as we can to 2022. We're not living in the Warsaw Ghetto. We're not being bombed by the Nazis. But at the same time, we have our own challenges and our own limitations and our own potential and our own Yiddishkeit and our own ways of, you know, relating to things within this world. So let's see if we could take all these ideas and sort of change some of the words, maybe, perhaps, but at the same time, unlock a lot of the concepts deep within. So he talks in the beginning about the concept of chinuch. And he's talking to machanchim, he's talking to parents. And I would argue, again, that when we talk about chinuch, think about chinuch for yourself. Because a lot of people, we live our lives, we are, what chinuch essentially means is either obedience or it means creating habits. The average person in yeshiva, basically, again, I'm not here speaking negative at all, but the average you know, goal is like that kid who's sitting and following along, finger on the place, the girl who's like valedictorian, like you've gone through the motions and you've, you've stayed under the radar. I think everybody would agree a, a, a visit to the principal's office is not your goal at the end of the day. So flying under the radar, getting the good grades, excelling, that's sort of like how most people go into their, their, their own chenach, like where they're, where they're trying at least to, to succeed within the yeshiva system or the Beis system. This morning happens to be that I was dominating chakras in Bells, and I hear a conversation that was going on between a Rebbe, a person who's a Rebbe, and someone else who appears to have either been like a senior Rebbe or a Machanach somehow. I don't know exactly. And it was a Yiddish conversation, so I won't repeat it in Yiddish. Also, because if I did, I would probably break my teeth. But I'll just throw this out there as to their conversation. So this Rebbe is saying that there was a kid who asked him, he said, Rebbe, no, I'm joking, I won't do it in Yiddish. He said, Rebbe, I don't understand something, okay? I don't understand something. He said, we know that the Ebishter, you know, controls the whole world. He's a Kalyacha. So if I do an Avera, it means that Hashem let me do the Avera. So why am I being punished, right? So that was his question to his Rebbe. So this Rebbe is t- talking to this older Rebbe, or principal, I'm not sure exactly, I'm not judging anybody. And this older principal was basically, you know, basically putting down the, oh, you know everything? You know how the Abishta works? You know what's going on in this world? He was like, you know, that that's how you answer a Talmud. Like, you you show it to him. Like, you stuff it at him. And I was like, oh, never. Like, this kid here, he's coming to me, mistake. He has a question. He wants to know about Bechira. He wants to understand how the world works. And for a lot of people, like, when you're asking questions, like, you're asking too many questions. We don't, we don't, we don't like this. You're making me uncomfortable. But we're Jews, Jews are full of questions. The first night, the Seder night, we sit down, we have the Arbakashis, and it's not four questions, it's millions of questions, right? Why were we created, and why do we start by, you know, Arami Aviravi and Lavan, and what are we talking about over here? We start going through, it's all about asking questions. Yet somehow when we start asking certain questions, people get uncomfortable, and they're like, oh, now it's, now it's a problem. I think that there's nothing better that a person can do for themselves, actually, to ask questions, and to have a critical, real, real respectful look at themselves. We can look at our systems, as long as we're not challenging it in just being critical for no reason. But truly asking ourselves, how do I bring out more? And how do I get more? At the end of the day, everything's beautiful. Tyra is beautiful. Our systems are beautiful. Our mices are beautiful. We have so much great and wonderful things going on. But at the same time, it really is important 
that we don't delude ourselves into thinking like as long as I got my A's and as long as I became the valedictorian, all of a sudden it's real within me. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm towards the end of the safer over here. The thing that, struck, that stuck out for me so much was the idea that if you'd ask me what so many people struggle with today, I think we could all agree that a lot of people, they sort of go through the motions, go through the motions. But to like feel it in the bones, that's much more challenging. This is like a person who felt it in the bones, and hopefully as we go through this, we can do that. Just one more word on this concept is that a few years ago, there was an article that was written about some of the work that we've done, and there was a, a, a writer, a certain writer, I don't want to obviously talk about who it was, but he sent me um, a, an email or a message, text, WhatsApp, whatever, and, and in that message he said, oh, this is very nice that you're dealing with couples and people who are struggling and blah, 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 but, but I need to tell you that where I'm from, like my town, my place, like we have no such issues, we have nothing going on or whatever. And I, I was like, okay, smiley face emoji, whatever, send it back, right? And, and I was like, it's so interesting because I, I literally know 20 people from his town who've come to my house with major, major issues and crises and stuff that they're dealing with. There's no mitzvah to, to delude yourself into thinking that everything is wonderful. It, it's the worst thing you can do to yourself. And I think that we need to become a little bit comfortable with being uncomfortable with asking ourselves real questions like, is my Shemana Esrei real? Is my relationship with my parents real? Is it good? Is it maximized? Like, am I doing all that I can? Am I unlocking all that I can in my, in my life? Just saying it's good, it's good, it's good doesn't serve anybody, any, 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 it's not productive. It just doesn't do anything for anybody. So having that real look, I think, is really critical and important. So what exactly is chanach? Chanach is definitely not creating habits, and chanach is definitely not about simply creating obedience. So the word that he uses for chanach, he explains that there's a Rashi that says on the Pasuk, that somebody who is bana bayis chadash v'loi chanchai. Somebody builds a new house, and he's not mechanach the house. What does that mean? You build a house, and you're not mechanach the house. And he explains that what that means is, is that when a person builds a house, when we moved into this house, for example, we were looking around at the different rooms, we were like, what is this room going to be used for? What's it going to be used for? And we had, we had a couple of rooms that we couldn't figure it out. Like, I don't know, what are we going to do here? I don't know, we'll put a chair, we'll put a table, something. I could just, we don't have a, a, a place for this house, for, for that room in the house. And he explains that the concept of chenuch, the word chenuch, means to view an item from top to bottom, from inside to outside, and to determine where and what each component is for, and then to bring out within that component the best outcome for that component. So it means a person who buys a house, who builds a house, let's call it that way, who builds a house, because sometimes you buy a house and the people who built it didn't have your vision. So when you build a house, why, why are you putting a wing over here? Why are you putting steps over here? Why are you putting a, a table here? What is the purpose of each element within the house? And so too when a person looks at their children, and so too when a person looks at themselves, you need to ask yourself a critical question. Why do I have all the things that I have? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Why do I have my midos? Why do I have my parents? Why do I have this life? What can I extract from my challenges? What can I, what can I do different tomorrow so that I'm not just doing the same thing as I did yesterday so I don't wake up in 10 years from now and realize that I could have taken a completely different path in my life? And a person who does that is being machanich themselves. They are taking every element within their lives, within their relationships, 
with their, with their parents, with their children, with their siblings, with their roommates, whoever it is, and they're, they're actively seeking to improve it. There's no mitzvah to tell yourself it's great when it's not great. You're not actually going to do anything about it if it's great. If it's already great, then wonderful. But if it's not really great and you're deluding yourself into thinking that it's great, then you're not really doing anything. So the idea of chenach is that a person asks himself, what is this person, what is their potential, and how do I bring this out of them? One of my rabbi once told me that his father was a rebbe, and he became a masterful rebbe, and he said that his father once told him a story which really enlightened his perspective on what it means to be a rebbe. His father said that he would look around his classroom, and he noticed that there was a boy who was very fidgety. He was like sitting there like this like the whole day. Right, like ADD, ADHD, his kids just like could not sit still. So the father went over to him and he said, what's going on? The kid was like, you know, yeah, good. Like he was just annoying the class. And the kid next to him was like, you know, Rebbe, can you tell him to stop? Every day was like a whole thing. One day this Rebbe said to this boy, you know, come with me on the side. By recess, I'm going to get you like a little bongo set, drum set, whatever. And I want you to like really let it go. And he said, over the years, this boy became like literally a professional drummer, joined the band, started a band, and he went on to have a very successful career as a musician. And he said, many people would have tried to fit this boy into somebody else's box. And his father, Chap, like, no, 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 this kid is a drummer. He's, he's drumming. He's drumming on everything. He's like walking around the hallway. He's drumming on the wall. That kid in his bones is a drummer. Every person is different and every person is unique. And it's really, really important that nobody says to themselves, I need to be like this person or I need to be like that person. Some people have an atiyah towards certain learning, towards certain experiences, certain, towards certain hargish, certain, certain emotions. And every person has to say to themselves, how do I tap into those specific things? And the, the Pasuk that says, ends off by saying, even when this person is older, they will not um, abandon this way. A girl called me recently, and she had some hair-raising questions, Shaila's questions, which nobody should ever have to deal with. And when I was talking to her, I said, tell me a little bit about your life, and where do you come from, and whatever. She told me she comes from a certain city, a very, very hush of a city in America, where there's a lot of Taira, and there's a lot of Chesed, and there's a lot of Gashmias also, but a lot of, you know, a lot of very, very nice things. And when I was talking to her, I said, What's, what school did you go to? So she said, oh, I went to Beis, Rivka, Rachaleya, Sarifka, like, Mamash, like, the, the most from yeshivish, yeshi- like, you can't imagine, you know, like, literally the girls are wearing snoods and, like, when they're in fourth grade. Like, the frumest school you could possibly imagine. And I said, how did you do in school? Did you have trouble? Did you get kicked out? She said, me? Absolutely. She said, I, I was, there's, like, 12 parallel classes or whatever one of these schools. She says, I was like the number one girl in the number one class and the number one everything. They have my name on the bulletin board, like literally like the top of the top. So I said, how long ago is that? So she was in 12th grade and then she had one year where she like slipped tremendously and then the second year where she really slipped tremendously. So I said, I don't understand something. You literally were the top of the top of the top in the top place in the top school, right? I'm saying, like, we're coming to you, like, for a haskama, like, you know, for tzedakah collectors. Like, please sign off that this person's a certified honey. Like, this girl's like the Rebbitson's Rebbitson. How did you get into a situation where, like, you're, you're doing things that, like, you just can't even imagine? So she thought about it, and she said, I realized that everything that I did 
was just a fly under the radar. You told me to read the book, I read the book. I'm a smart girl, so I got 100 on the test. You told me to memorize the Ramban, I memorized the Ramban. You told me to go through the motions, I went through the motions. I went through everything beautifully. But the second that was released, the second she was out of that system, and there was no safety net there for her, and there was nothing there to guide her along, and she didn't have the right friends, and she was introduced to the wrong person, and she didn't have her teachers, and she didn't have the right everything. Like, her Eureka was so far. And I'm going to say this, I think that a lot of the reason is because it was not in her bones. It wasn't in her bones. It wasn't real for her, even though it appeared real, even though she's on every single bulletin board. And it's so critical to understand that the concept of chinuch is that you are real. The Shulchan Aruch says, I'm in my own room. Nobody knows anyways what I'm doing. No. That it's so real that your phone, your Netflix, your challenges, whatever it is, it's real. It's real. You're dealing with it in a really, really real way. What does it mean that you're It means that every single person has their own potential, has their own path. I remember when I was younger, I was once playing punch ball in yeshiva. I think we were in, a, I think we were like in ninth grade. Pretty sure ninth grade, ninth or tenth grade. And we were playing punch ball, and somebody took the ball, punched it, and went over the fence, and it got lost. So, okay, it's only a dollar ball, not a big deal. But the person whose ball it was went over to the boy who punched it and said, you know, it's a dollar. I think you owe me a dollar. So the guy's like, come on, just a dollar. He said, no, I'm like, you punched it. You punched it over the fence. It was the wrong thing. Anyways, as they're having this conversation, one of them said, hey, you know what? I think we should go talk to the principal. Like, let's ask him. Let's ask him a halakha question. So they went over, and they told him the whole story, and he was like, I don't remember what he said, but that was it. And I was standing there, and I went to the principal afterwards, and I said to him, you know, I have a question for you. Like, here we are, the sugya and gemara that we're talking about is literally this sugya. We're learning in, in Gemara, we're talking about the sugya of if somebody has an item, and they lend it to their friend, or they give it to their friend, and they're working with it, and, and it breaks, or it gets lost, whatever, who's chayef, who's pater, whatever. I said, I'm a little disappointed, because here I am, learning this Gemara, and, like, here you have a case, right, you're playing punch ball, guy punches the ball over the fence, and all the guys in the game, 15 guys, 20 guys, were looking around, like, None of us actually know what the halacha is. Like, we're totally clueless. Like, we're all, like, throwing out svaras, and we're throwing out akadzas and ideas. And it's all very nice. But, like, for a $1 shayla, we had to come over to you to get the answer. Like, I don't understand it. Like, we're learning Gemara. Shouldn't we at least learn, like, halacha lemais on this so that we could all say, oh, this is the halacha? Svara is very nice, but, like, halacha is a little bit more important, no? So, there was another Rebbe that was standing there at the time. And I don't remember the answer that I was given. But a few years later, a bunch of years later, actually, so I published a sefer on, on, on halacha. And I met this Rebbe, and he reminded me of that story. And he said, I always had my eye on you, because you were somebody who had an etia towards halacha. And when I saw your sefer in the store, I was so excited, because I remembered that Ruby and Epstein likes learning halacha. And all like, these other guys, they took a different path in life. And it like struck me like, it's so interesting because a teacher has 25, 30 kids in a class and they each have their own things, their own tias, their own way that they like learning. Or this one is, is like a superstar kid with like great midos and this one's very helpful. Whatever the case is, a person who is in any position of chinach, a person who has children, a person who is alive and Jewish. So if you're in one of those three categories, 
okay? You'd be really wise to ask yourself, what makes me different than the next person? You're in Shadduchim and you have your friends and you have 10 girls. Why am I different than these other nine girls? What makes me different? If you can't identify it, then you may not really fully know yourself. You may be lacking the first concept that we talk about in a relationship called kesher atzmi, a connection with yourself. Who are you? What are you? Why are you different than a different girl? You know, I hear so many times from people where they say, oh, my friend is going out with this guy, uh, but I already went out with him, or I know somebody else went out with him, and I think it's not a good shidduch. What? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Meaning, it, fine, sometimes it's not, right? Obviously. But sometimes, you and your friend are different as night and day. Chanoich Lenara Pidarka means, Mr. Hashem, everybody here has many, many children. You look at every single one of your children, they are completely different. You look at your husband, he will be completely different than all the other husbands on your block. Every single person that you encounter is different than somebody else. When you're trying to maximize and bring something out from a person, it is really, really important to understand that. And he explains a little bit further. And when we talk about chenuch, or bringing out, or maximizing, most people think that what that means, in a certain sense, is knowledge, is information. The job of a school, the job of parents is to give over knowledge. I ask girls all the time, what is the job of a mother and what is the, what is the job of a father in the house? And how many times I hear, hear a girl say, the father's job is to, is to like give like direction in a house or, or to teach the tyrant to the family or you know, like, like to provide the information that's needed to live through life. Of course, it's all true. But I have news for you. Amir Tashem, you go into business, how are you as a business person? Are you ethical? Are you not ethical? Are you smart? Are you not smart? Are you savvy? Are you not savvy? A person is made up of millions of components. And he says that the regesh that a person has, meaning looking at your children and, and teaching them to be besimcha, part of chenach. Teaching your children to deal with adversity, part of chenach. Teaching ourselves to deal with challenges, part of chenach. Teaching ourselves when things don't go our way or when we're jealous of somebody else, part of chenach. Chenuch means to bring out from ourselves our innermost potential that we have on every single area, not just knowledge, not just information, but on who we are as people so that we don't wake up when we're 70 years old and realize like we're an old cranky lady or we're just stingy or we're this bubby that can't stand children. All of those things mean you just haven't worked on yourself to get yourself to the point where you maximize who you are. I hear from people all the time, like, I'm the nicest mother, I'm the worst mother-in-law. Or I'm the nicest mother, I'm the terrible grandmother. People say this all the time. So, so adapt and understand your new role and understand that life is very long and you have many roles within that. Understanding that is extremely, extremely important. I remember when I was living in Eretz Yisrael, I was very young at the time. I was in my low 20s. And they made me like a gabay shani in a shul, which basically means absolutely nothing, had no nothing. But at one point, I had to have a meeting with a bunch of people in the shul about a certain matter. We all sat down, maybe, let's say 40, 50 people. And I said, okay, guys, we need, we need to take a vote. Everybody here is a member. Let's take a vote on this, on this specific item. Went ahead, take a vote. We started going around the table. And one guy gives a vote, go, and start going around the table. And there was one guy who was sitting here, and he realized after a few minutes that the vote was not going in his way. He had voted no, and everyone else was saying yes, whatever it was. And as it's like going along, he like pushes his chair back, and he starts to stand up. I said, where are you going? I was very young. Right? So he says, um, you'll excuse my uh, 
straightforwardness in this. So he, he says, um, well, I see I'm losing the vote. I said, okay, so you're, you're leaving for the evening? Like, there's other stuff we have to talk about also. He says, no, I'm leaving the shul. So I said, why are you leaving the shul? And he says, yeah, because it, if it doesn't go my way, then I just, I leave the shul, then I go to another shul. I was like, who raised you? Where were you raised, honestly? You know what I'm saying? Raising your children to be part of a community, raising yourself to be part of a community, sometimes it, it, it pays to learn how to lose. That's an important part of life also. Sometimes you will lose. Sometimes you'll go into something and you'll think you're right and it turns out that you're wrong. Sometimes you'll say, I wish my spouse was like this, but they're not. Sometimes things will not go your way. And having the ability to, to live your life through that is not something that you can do on a dime. It's not. It's something that takes years and years of real internal work in order <laughs> to get yourself to that, to the, that part. Now, the next portion of this is as follows. A lot of times, people say stories, and I, I've been told this about myself as well, sometimes I'll say certain stories over and people go, oh, it's, it's negative or it's, you know, it's not so positive, you should just share positive stories. First of all, I believe you could learn a lot from negative stories. But he says something here which is very, very potent and very not just potent, but also potential. Let me say it like that. Okay, there's a lot of potential within these words. It says every single person is loaded with goodness, and even the bad within a person, if it's channeled correctly, it's also good. I'm going to say that again because it's so, so, so powerful. Every person not only has so much good within them, but even the perceived bad that's within a person. If a person would stop and do their own internal work, they can actually take all of their negative and they can channel it for good. A person is angry. Anger usually means somebody violated one of your rules. That means that you are a person who has principles. You have rules. You're stubborn. That means that you stick to things. Like if you stop and you actually like looked at yourself in the mirror, real, instead of just saying, I'm good and good and good, say, no, no, no. I know that I'm an angry person. Not me. A person. Maybe me. Whatever. Okay? A person says, I, I know my midos. I know who I am. I know what sets me off. But it's specifically those things that make me me. And if I can channel those things, and when the time comes when I'm challenged, I know, I know who I am. So I'm able to resist. And the time comes when I need to push myself in that direction. I'm able to succeed. It's one of the greatest things that a person can do for themselves is to be them. Don't become somebody else. Recognize that even your shortcomings make you you. And if a person realizes that, then you realize that the person that you ultimately will marry and every one of your children, even though they sometimes will seem challenging to you because they're different than, than you, if you harness their specific midos that are different than you, it will become an asset to you. I can't tell you how many couples I sat with where the husband or the wife is very rigid and calculated with money, with time. It's like everything needs to be a certain way. And the other one is like flighty, like always losing their phone, like they can't find anything. The room is always a mess. They can't clean up after themselves. And a lot of times they sit there and they're like, this is so difficult for me. Why? Because my spouse is so different than me. And I can't tell you how many couples I've sat with and try to get them to realize that you're literally two halves of a whole. 
You're two different people, but each one of you brings to the table so much that's different than your spouse. So the one that's very regimented and, and, and all of that, they're the person that's going to plan and they're going to keep the budget and they're going to make sure you don't just spend all your money. And the one that's flighty, they're going to make the house fun and full of simcha. They're going to be like chilled and relaxed. Every person has so much good in them when you actually start to unpack it. When you don't unpack it and you look at a person as being different than you, as being worse than you, that is one of the worst things you can do because you completely invalidate. And more than that, you suppress the potential of another person. And to end, I think that it's important for us to internalize that the idea of going on a journey to greatness for every person is different. For every person it's different. But to say to ourselves that we all went through the Chinuch system, we went through the yeshiva system, the Misalkov system, and therefore we, we came out, we graduated, we got our diploma, and now we're just on to the world, is such a mistake. He started, he started becoming a real Jew, he said, when he was 40 years old. When he was 40 years old, he said, you know what I need to do? I need to like really become a Yid. At that point already, he made his Cheshman HaNefesh. He didn't feel like he had too many other things to work on. He said, I need to make my Yiddishkeit real. I need to make my tefillah real. I need to make my emotions real. I need to make everything real. And it was a few years between that and when he was killed on Kiddush Hashem where he, he was like, I'm not even here anymore. Take my body. I don't even need it. I'm not even on this planet anymore. Most of us will never even get to step one. But at least for ourselves, if we're able to internalize that what it means to be a Yid is to take all the tools that our system gave us, all the knowledge and information that it gave us, all the things that our parents gave us, and they, 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 they were lucky to be a Yid because every morning we get up and we say, May Rosh Akilas Yaakov, it is an inheritance. But I'm only first starting to understand what that means, that it means to be a Yid, that I have so much that I can maximize within my life. There's so much Tyra, there's so much Chesed, there's so much goodness within our communities and our lives. But at the same time, whereas the system may be a little bit more cookie cutter than we're comfortable with, sometimes when we get into the real world, we realize that not every cookie is exactly the same as another cookie. Sometimes you need vegan cookies. Sometimes you need Flesha cookies. Sometimes you need Mecha cookies. You need different types of cookies. You need, you need different types of flavors. You need different types of things in the world. And whereas the system likes to pump us out and say, here you go, everybody's sort of in some way, shape, or form the same, in reality, we're all very different. And if we could remember that, and we could work on ourselves, and we could work on our other relationships in that light, then it's so beautiful because there's nothing bad. It's all good. It's all taiv. It's just a matter of really seeing it and channeling it and bringing it to the forefront. So if we're able to do that, we'll go along this journey together and specifically talk about different nakudas um, we'll hopefully be able to gain a little bit of this insight into such a fascinating personality. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.